Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. That's The Low Post. Get the inside scoop on all the biggest NBA news, the biggest names in the game. Join ESPN's Zach Lowe, featuring in-depth conversations, breaking news reaction, and analysis, plus coverage of the biggest events on the NBA calendar. The playoffs are starting up here quickly, so be sure to check it out. Follow The Low Post as well as The Hoop Collective wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN Plus gives you live daily coverage of the PGA Championship from the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island this weekend from May 20th through the 23rd. Stream the exclusive main feed each morning, featured groups every day and more. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com slash golf. Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA and we're doing that on Monday afternoon. Uh, some of you may remember that um, we had our special guest, Lisa Robinson, on a few months ago. Lisa, longtime uh, music uh, writer uh, in New York uh, for many different publications, Vanity Fair being the. Uh, how long have you been at Vanity Fair? Lisa, I know it's like. Oh, 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Um, but she's a huge Knicks fan. That's why we have her today. She's a big NBA fan in general, but, you know, she's going to give us a New York perspective. And uh, joining us from Los Angeles is Ramona Shelburne, who also has known Lisa for a while. You two know each other well. That's why we have you on. I think I knew her before you. I, I think we were. I know you did know her. I know yeah. you were before me. Um, yeah. Irving Azov put us together, I don't know how many years ago, but. Um, I definitely met her or we were in touch with each other before I met you, Brian. I think, although the two of you are two of my four favorite ESPN people. So that is a hedge if I've ever heard one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll be very straightforward. The other two are Stephen A and Jalen Rose, but I don't know them. I mean, you guys are friends, so (laughs) it's different. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, So, we are in this little beautiful honeymoon here at Lisa. The Knicks have yet to play a playoff game, but they have gotten the fourth seed home court, which is incredible. I mean, we're going to spend, we're going to spend this next two weeks analyzing this series with the Hawks back and forth and criticizing the Knicks. But let's just take a moment to say that this is amazing that they got the number four seed. So I want to ask you, how do you feel about this? as a New Yorker, a lifetime New Yorker and a Knicks fan? Well, first of all, Brian, you've lived in New York, so you know how the Knicks have the soul of the city. I mean, seriously, I have always had to describe myself as a long-suffering Knicks fan. Those adjectives just went before the words Knicks. And I've also been known to go up to basketball players at the Vanity Fair Oscar party, whether it was Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, Draymond Green, and I've literally said to them, why don't you come to the Knicks? Or when I met Tom Thibodeau in a restaurant once, I said, why don't you coach the Knicks? That was three years ago. So Adam has told me to be very careful about not tampering, but I don't think (laughs) I can tamper because I'm just a fan. However, if you look at the New York Post for the past four days, the back cover and today, even the front cover, it's all about the Knicks. 
The Nets are in a tiny, tiny box. And I don't <laughs> care. And you know I feel this way. I don't care if the Nets win the championship. The fact that the Knicks are better than 11 other teams in the Eastern Conference and that they got to this point with the help of Leon Rose, World Wide West, Scott Perry, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett having a good year, Reggie Bullock, I mean, Nerland Noel. This is a tough, gritty New York team. So all those vegans in Brooklyn can have the Nets. <laughs> if they win a championship, as I said this before, I think I said it to you, they can have their parade down Atlantic Avenue. I don't think they're going to be in the Canyon of the Heroes. It's just not the same thing. It's like the Yankees had a lot of great years. The Knicks didn't have that many great years, but the Knicks are New York. So what they you're saying are, is, and you, you are, you sort of are a voice of the city. You're saying that if the Nets won, that they would not be welcome in the Canyon of the Heroes with the tickets. I don't know if they'd be welcome. Well, with this. I don't know if we're going to have a parade in COVID anyway, but, you know, yeah, theoretically. Also, also, this idiot mayor who's from Brooklyn, I mean, he probably would have one from, you know, in the Canyon of Heroes. I have no idea, but it would not be as well attended, let's put it that way, as if the Knicks ever win a championship. Um People will come from the Bronx. They'll come from Queens. They come from Staten Island. They'll be from Manhattan. I mean, this Brooklyn thing, for those of us who are older and grew up in this city, you know, Kevin Durant saying that Brooklyn is cool. First of all, that is the corniest thing on the planet. I mean, Brooklyn is cool now for a certain, and, and mind you, I have friends who are Nets season ticket holders. I have a good friend who is sort of an ambassador for the Nets, Angela Yee, who's on The Breakfast Club. And we fight about this all the time. But it's just not comparable. I, I, I don't know how to really explain it. It's also, here's the other thing. You know I hate stacked teams. You know I thought KD going to Golden State was a weak move. And I think the idea of putting KD, Kyrie, and James Harden together is be like if, I don't know, Beyonce, Rihanna, and Adele decided to put a girls group together to be on American Idol or The Voice on a competition <laughs> But people show. would watch that. They would love it. I mean, yeah, I know, but... And then one of them would decide to show up, and then another one would have a hangnail and not show up, or another one would have personal reasons and not show up. I mean, I have to be diplomatic about this, but look, Kyrie's a great basketball player. Great basketball player. My late husband and I even loved the movie Uncle Drew. Um, I think we were some two of the few, but it was like, you know, he <laughs> has unbelievable movie. skills. Um, Dame Lillard shows up every night. Russell Westbrook shows up every night. CP3 shows up every night. Uh, Giannis, Iguodala, Adebayo, LeBron, when they're not injured, they show up and they show out. And I think that, listen, you know, Dame had family tragedies this past year and he had twins and the guy shows up. 
You know, call Anthony Towns lost his mother this last year and he shows up. Everybody cares about social justice. If you can't talk about basketball because it's not as important as what's going on in the world, then go. There's a wonderful story in the New York Times today about Maya Moore. She left the Minnesota Lynx to go work full time on criminal justice. And um, I think that's probably all I should say about that. But <laughs> I just I just respect the guys that grind, you know, the guys that show up, show out and they care just as much about this stuff. We all do. That doesn't mean that we. And that's don't. why they. That's why this. This the Knicks. This Knicks team is well is so well enjoyed by the city because they are grinders with a grinder coach. Let me tell you something: Spike Lee, Chris Rock, Q-Tip, Questlove, Jimmy Fallon, McEnroe, John Stewart. I mean, I could go on and on. Half of us text each other after every game. You know, it's like the excitement about this team because they're grinding and they're gritty and. Uh, they just, they show up and um, it's, I think it's hugely exciting for the city. As I said, they have the soul of the city and um, I just hope that this is a good example of when you put a good team in place, like in terms of management team. I mean, I won't say a bad word about Jim Dolan because I love the guy. He's always been wonderful to me. But, you know, he's ecstatic about this and this whole management group has done such a great job. And Tibbs is, it's coaching too. He's great. I mean, he's a defensive coach and um, we all know how I feel about uh, the coaching situation in Brooklyn. They just flew these guys in, you know, who never coached before. Well, the assistant coach never coached defense before, but... I don't want to be really bitchy about the other team because honestly, <laughs> that's what's so funny is that you were that. never. A, it was so I funny with Ramona. She was my Knicks. I'm she, all excited today. Whether or not they'll last past the first round, I don't know. You know, Q-Tip tells me I'm very, um, I'm a worry ward, and I would say I'm beyond that. I have PTSD, so I'm worried about <laughs> Trey Young. I'm worried about Atlanta already, but. We're so excited, and now I really think I want to go to a game. I haven't gone yet, but you're fully vaccinated. There's a special section for you. You can go. I know, but I'm still wearing a mask, and I'm still a little nervous. And I don't know. We'll see. But Brian, you know, and Ramona, you know well. You've obviously been to the Staples, but you know what the Garden is like when the Knicks, if the Knicks are winning. I mean, there's nothing like. It. And Ramona. So many people- I actually don't know what the garden is like when the Knicks are winning because they haven't for so long. That's true. Like, when I've been, like they've been really bad for a long time. And it's interesting because like I'm here in Los Angeles, we have the Lakers and the Clippers here. And I think there's a lot of parallels here because the Lakers missed the playoffs for six years in a row. They were really bad. They were the worst team in the league and they were tanking. And the Clippers were pretty good in those years. That's when they had Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. They, they were pretty good. And, and, I remember, I always remember the Kobe Bryant quote. I was, we had a, we had these sort of dueling media days when the Clippers trade for Chris Paul. And it was like after the Lakers trade for him fell apart and everybody was picking the Clippers because they were, you know, they got the guy, right. They got, they, they pulled off the trade and the Lakers couldn't, or it was invalidated. Well, we won't relitigate that. Um, And, you know, people went over Kobe and said like, 
what do you think of the new Lob City? What do you think? And he threatened. He goes, well, I prefer jewelry. and it it, it was such a kobe line like he just delivers it you know i prefer jewelry um (laughs) and and, you know i i I say this now you know sitting here out literally i'm a block from staples center as i say this um that the lakers will always be la's team but the the clippers can get into the conversation if they win they have to win and they have to win probably multiple times like you can like the Lakers have 17 banners and it's spread out over 50 years. Okay. So you, because you have, you have winning in so many different decades, that means you have winning in so many different generations, which means your fan base is, is deep and all over the city, all over the Western United States. Brian, you know, when we go to Vegas, it's Laker fans, right? I mean, it's, we go the, there every summer and it's Laker fans. The, it's so interesting that you two, we have New York and LA. Yeah. I think what Lisa described as PTSD, I think most Knicks fans have PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most Lakers fans, what's the opposite of PTSD? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Irrational because, exuberance. I don't yeah. Entitlement. entitlement. Uh, oh, yeah. No, they definitely have. Yeah. That. Entitlement. But a lot of people yeah. have entitlement. But irrational. It is sometimes irrational. Um, yeah. The way the Lakers fans are. Let me ask. Let me ask this, Lisa. As you watch this Knicks team, which the city is in love with Julius Randle, who has overachieved. They love the way mm-hmm. he plays. They watch R.J. Barrett develop. Even Nerlens Noel has yeah. been great defensively as they played here. The Knicks are in this remarkable spot right now. They have a ton of salary cap space. They have all of these draft picks. Do you want the Knicks to stay with this group of guys and see how far they can go? Or should they go big game hunting this summer? Should they go try to get another star player? I think we should go big game hunting is what I want to do. But no, I think... Well, let me ask you this. Okay, but you know... Because Dame Lillard is a is a uh, music artist, musical artist, yeah. Yeah. you have done stories with Dame. You have a personal relationship with Dame. Yeah, this this is hitting you where you live. You you love Dame as a person, and yes. you love the Knicks. Yes. Let me just say another thing. By the way, somebody like Dame Lillard does a PSA for you know stop Asian hate. He does a PSA for pride. You know, I mean the guy quietly with that poker face delivers on every level. The garden is his favorite place to play. Zion Williamson could not control his smile when he (laughs) said how much he loved playing in the garden. And Ramona, yeah, I saw you with the garden. I don't remember what game it was. And of course the Knicks lost. Oh, it must've been against the Lakers because Jeannie was there, right? Well, of course we lost. But the point about the fans in the garden is that even if we're like tied for five minutes, the roar of that crowd, or even if we get within 10 points, the roar of that crowd is so insane. There's just like no fans like it. And Brian, to answer your question, I could think of like at least six players that we could get rid of and try to get (laughs) a couple of big stars. Um, I personally, you know, it's not my call and I can't say their names of who should not come back, but I think it's pretty obvious that there are some people who are not as good as others on this team. So in terms of keeping this group together or going big game hunting, 
I think we should try to do a little both. I mean, I think that, you know, um, rebuilding is nice, but I think what we have shown some big stars this year is that we're in a position, especially with the money, which I never understand. Um, I don't even know what cap space means or <laughs> bird rights. Well, they have it. They have it. That's all you need to know. They got a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, listen, this whole play-in thing, honestly, it's like, I, I think I texted you. It was, it was literally like, to me, I still don't understand it. It's like one of those fifth grade math problems. Like if a man gets on a train to Philadelphia <laughs> and he has six oranges and someone gets on in between with three oranges, who ends up with the more? I mean, honestly, <laughs> this is so Ramona, she, she kept asking me, do I want the Knicks to win this game or not? Do I want the Heat to win this yeah. game or not? I said, you want the Heat to lose that game. But you got what you wanted. You got the, you got the draw did. you wanted. I did, but I would have preferred that the Hawks had lost. I don't know. Here's the thing. It's not just that I'm a fan of the Knicks. I'm a massive NBA obsessive fan. I could probably name you the starting five of most of the 30 teams. Maybe not Orlando. I don't know. Maybe not. Orlando doesn't yeah. want their, their starting five that they have right now. So yeah, I mean, I don't know anybody on Orlando except Mo Bamba, I think, right? Because he's from Harlem. So I know yeah. him and he's smart. But no, I just think that, you know, um, yeah, go but, but the Knicks have the, the Knicks have gone after big. This has been their repeated thing. R Ramona, I know, but yeah. we this. Look, let me let me let's go through this. Let's go through this when we're going to go back. To, you're, we're doing New York and LA here, right? So the Lakers did this whole rebuild. They went down into the lottery. They had the number two pick over and over. They got this good, good young core group of guys, and those guys have actually turned out pretty good. Lonzo Ball looks pretty good now. Brandon Ingram looks pretty good. Julius Randle, as we know, looks really good. D'Angelo Russell's doing well up in Minnesota. Kuzma. What? Kuzma. Yeah. Let's, well, he wasn't a lottery pick, but. It, right. Okay. We'll put him in the same kind. They had a nice young team. They had a nice young coach. And then they had a chance to get LeBron. <laughs> they yes. really and then, see you guys. Thanks for your, thanks for your time. And Anthony nice Davis. Knowing you. Good luck yeah, I mean, you. look, I think if we had a chance to get a couple of really big, good players, a point guard particularly. Um, <laughs> You're not subtle. I mean, I think Derrick Rose is doing great. And, you know, Peyton's good and quickly he's good. But come on, if we could get a star, younger point guard. I mean, here's the thing. Anthony Davis was with New Orleans, what, seven years before he left mm -hmm. to go to L.A.? Dame's been with Portland seven years um, LeBron was with the Cavaliers seven years before he went to Miami. I mean, here's what I'm saying about stacked teams. If Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving had come to New York, like somebody had played the garden and told them they were going to without Kevin Durant knowing anything about it. Um, I'm not sure that I would have been mad at it. Um, <laughs> You know, just a little Kevin bit Durant, biased. Just a little. I mean, I might have been mad. You know, here's the funny thing. James Harden, who we all just thought was a strip club aficionado, has turned out to be, in my mind, like the most important part of that team. I agree. Um, I was going to vote for him for MVP until he got hurt. I mean, yeah. he was really, he was like 
unbelievable. And I know, Brian, you have these long debates with Tim McMahon about his, oh, he started the year in Houston and he was dogging it and he was really bad in Houston. And I'm like, yeah, but when he got to the Nets, he was amazing. And by the way, he told Houston, I'm out of here and it took him that long to trade him. So, it, it, you know. What about Blake Griffin? I mean, everybody wrote him off. And he's yeah. playing, he's not playing badly in Brooklyn. So the point is what I was trying to say though, Brian, is that I watch all the games. I watch the Lakers games. I watch the Clippers games. I have NBA league pass. I DVR like four games a night. I literally am following all of this. And I don't think, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but I have realistic expectations of how far the Knicks can go. I would like to see them get out of the first round very much. If they did, who would they then have to play in Milwaukee or Miami or somebody? No, they'd have the, they'd, they'd likely have Philadelphia. I don't want to assume yeah. anything, but they'd like. Yeah, well, I don't feel it over the eight I mean, I got to tell you something. Here's how strongly I feel about the Knicks versus the Nets. Everybody says to me, OK, so if the Knicks don't win, don't you really want the Nets? No. No, I want Philly. <laughs> I mean, really? I love Joel Embiid. I just love Doc Rivers. And Ramona just had a cover story, an ESPN cover story. I know, story I know. I saw, and I saw the piece on air and I texted her how great it was. It was really good. She should be doing a lot of the interviews for ESPN. At any rate, the bottom line is, I think that if you can get some really big stars, and we've proven to people now that the organization is run well by people who know what they're doing, and we already have some really good players there, and we have the best asset, aside from money, is that garden. I have seen Muhammad Ali there. I saw Frank Sinatra there. I saw the Pope there. I've seen everybody from Zeppelin, the Stones, to Adele there. There's just no place like it. Staples so doesn't like it. No. You know, at least here's what's interesting. The Lakers had L.A., they had Hollywood, they had prestige, they had banners and history, and they were selling that to free agents for, for years and nobody took it. Showtime. Nobody took it. OK, when you come here, you can be a big star. The, the last guy who was impressed by that was Shaquille O'Neal. OK, and he was right. It worked out really well for him in L.A. But Kobe Bryant always used to say the person who's going to take the torch from me. Okay, the person I'm going to pass the torch to is going to want it. We're not going to have to sell them. We're not going to have to convince them. They already know. They don't need to. They, they already know what it's like to play for a historic franchise with all those banners. And they want the responsibility. And more importantly, they want the stage. And I think what's been important for the Knicks is they've had plenty of coaches and plenty of management people like Phil Jackson. Okay who wanted the stage because they understand what it means to win in New York and to win with the Knicks. They understand what it would mean on an NBA scale because they know what it was like when the Knicks were good. They know what it's like in the city. I think there are players who know. I think there are players who want that, but they have not. Lisa thought it was Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah. Lisa and a lot of people thought it was Kevin Durant. I didn't I ever think Durant. it was Kevin Durant. One of, oh, his, I thought he was going. Uh, one of his team <laughs> told the Knicks he was coming yeah. there. So, you know, let's 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 not really get but a lot that. of it. A lot of it is, did they have faith in the organization? And and one of the and we want to revisit the LeBron free agency. OK, LeBron didn't come to the Lakers because of Los Angeles. He came to the Lakers because of Los Angeles and because he trusted Jeannie Buss. OK, 
he and his, his representative, Rich Paul, had gotten to know her. They trusted Matt, Matt. He had the famous meeting with Magic Johnson that night. But I think that he trusted ownership and him trusting the organization to do what it would take to at least give him a chance to win. Right. And in for other free agents with the Knicks, I don't know that you can say that they trusted the organization, whether they didn't trust Dolan, they didn't trust Phil Jackson, they didn't trust whoever was in charge. OK, I think that people are going to trust Leon Rose. I think people are going to trust. trust. Yeah, they're going to trust Leon. They're going to trust Wes and they're going to yep. trust Scott. I mean, these are basketball people who know yep. everyone. I mean, by the way, Scott Murray only got a one year contract extension. And uh, I'll get well, I think somebody should want to hire him. He's, I'll I mean, get I'll get in trouble for saying this because, like, you know, it's like it'll get aggregated. But I hear Scott Perry is going to be around the Knicks longer. <laughs> he should. He's he should. not going to be. He, he will say, be. I hear oh, he that he. Be. Yeah, well, I hear it's all going to be worked out. That's that's well, all. Like, I think we all forget that Scott Perry is the guy who pivoted off the Kevin Durant free agency, who pivoted off the Kawhi Leonard free agency that year. And I remember it was we were doing the show, Brian. We were in LA doing the jump, and we were checking in with the you know with all the teams and everything. And Scott Perry, when he had a chance to, you know, he wasn't in New York waiting for Kevin Durant to turn him down. He already knew. That he was getting turned down. They, they were smart enough to realize they weren't getting Kawhi. They weren't getting Kevin. Instead of tying up all their eggs in those baskets, like, Scott was out in L.A. meeting with Julius Randle. Out in L.A., locking that down to a really team-friendly contract. It was a, I thought it was a really smart move, and it's been the beginning of this, of this whole resurgence. Well, they didn't, the thing. not oh. everybody they signed that summer worked out, but getting Julius Randle. But that one did. did. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. So, Lisa, here's the thing. Kyrie Irving, he's a very difficult person to evaluate. He's obviously a tremendous basketball player. So this season, as you've just as you've described without saying it, he obviously left the team several times for reasons. He's obviously said a lot of things. I have a, a rule, and it's not a dis- I'm not dismissing what he does off the court, but I have a rule that whatever he talks about off the court, I just, I just put it aside because I, it, he, he's, he's so all over the place with that. It's, it's difficult to keep in mind. I only focus on the Kyrie between the lines and the Kyrie between the lines this year played more games than James Harden and Kevin Durant for the nets played the most of that big three 
became just the ninth player in history to shoot 50% from the field, 40% from three and 90% from the line. He just squeaked over that. That's a spectacular season. And they had a great season overall. Um, You know, it was very difficult to try to judge who had the best year of the big three. And I think that Durant and Harden are more important to their success, but yet I think Kyrie had the best year and he also got fined almost a million dollars for breaking protocols. Some of them superfluous, some of them very, very serious. I don't know how you evaluate him other than to say, you know, he did have a very good year and it's confounding. I know, but he could play a huge role here. This is the difference between you and me. I've been writing about music for over four decades. I don't write about like guitar riffs and, you know, kick drums. I write about (laughs) personalities and I've always talked to people and I care about their personalities. And when you heard Vanessa Bryant talking about Kobe at the Hall of Fame induction the other day, and she said about how he sat in the nosebleeds with his father watching Michael Jordan and how he never wanted to disappoint his fans and not show up because they saved their money to see him and it may have been the only time they could see him. So he even played with injuries. Isn't Kobe supposed to be Kyrie's like, idol and mentor and so forth. I mean, to me, I just thought there was a point made there and um, show up, you know, you can still do everything that you do on and off the court and with the millions of dollars you're making. And as a member of the media, as you two both are, I am personally offended when someone calls the media pawns or when they don't want to talk to the media, because I think it's part of the gig, you know, isn't it part of the contract when you sign those millions of dollars that you have to do a media talk for 10 minutes afterwards? I know they don't want to do it. Listen, I'm sure you feel the same way I do. There's been plenty of people in my life I've interviewed that I thought, oh God, I don't want to interview them any more than they want to be doing the interview, but you do it because it is your job. And so uh, that's all I can say. I really do care about people off the court. And, um, you know, I saw Malcolm Brogdon in the, after the George Floyd murder, you know, in a march. I saw Russ. I saw Carmelo. I saw Dame. I just, you see these people talk without talking. And um, I don't know. Well, I just, Brian, you know, it's the, the, the clarity question is really interesting because, I think it's a larger NBA question as well, which is, you know, how much should this, should the, and we're all going to be answering it as we go back to normal, we get back into locker rooms or if not, if we do or not, um, how important is it for players to talk to the media? I think if they, if you would ask them, they would just say, we just want to go play. We don't, we want to just, you know, we can tweet and we can do a quick press conference introduction or whatever it is, but they, they probably hate it. Um, and in previous years and, and maybe even a previous era, David Stern would, would just crack down on this immediately. Um, the Kyrie thing went on a long time with the media availabilities and the Zooms and all that. Uh, and they kind of gave him every opportunity. But, but it's a larger question of, does he understand the importance of a connection with the fans? One. Two, 
does he think he's having a better connection with the fans in a different way? Like going around the media, can he do that himself? And I think it's it's fundamental to what the MV, to what the NBA has to to deal with as we sort of get back to normal, so to speak, um, because these are all the all the. I, I don't think Kyrie would be alone in saying I don't I don't want to do this. I don't know that anything's going to ever be normal again um, because of social media. And it's the same in music. You know, a lot of these Mm -hmm. stars have taken control of their own so-called narrative. And uh, they write these often incoherent, endless Instagram posts and sometimes get into tweet beefs with each other that are kind of silly or childish or funny or whatever. But, you know, I would not want to be somebody who had to go into a locker room and have to ask Kyrie or a lot of people are questioned after a game. They're exhausted. They're hurting. It's kind of weird. I once covered the Yankees and the Mets for a whole summer in the 70s to ask them what music they listened to. And I remember being in the Yankees locker room. I was the only girl in the room. I was young. And Reggie Jackson paraded around naked in front of me. And it was incredibly uncomfortable. And he was really not very nice. And when I finally, but I couldn't do a story on the Yankees without getting a quote from Reggie Jackson. It would be like doing a story on the Stones without getting a quote from Mick or Keith or anything like that. So, or not talking to LeBron if you were talking to the Lakers. And I don't know if someone like LeBron James can be gracious about this. Um, After everything that he's had to deal with and Kobe, Ramona, you knew Kobe well. I mean, Kobe, you know, couldn't walk down the street. Not that anyone walks down the street in Los Angeles. But if he tried to walk down the street, he'd be inundated. And if these guys could do it, I just think everybody can do it if it's part of the gig. And sometimes these press conferences are fun. I mean, I'll never forget when Steph Curry had his daughter Riley pulling that curtain back during that press conference. I don't even remember what year that oh, was. Oh, don't get Brian started on that one. <laughs> Why, Brian? <laughs> you, was that a problem with you? I didn't like it. Well, and it wasn't, it had nothing to do with Riley. It has had to do with, you know, we're only permitted, you know, four minutes to talk to these guys. Oh. And if, yeah, well, she certainly did distract. It really wasn't just, and it wasn't just Riley. It was, it was becoming a trend, right? Like, that yeah, was well, the, the other thing the was, I mean, this is years ago and the league has sort of knocked it off. But like guys were bringing their kids. Like if no, you I just know. won the championship, I like know. LeBron brought Ron his dog. I know. I remember yes. Ron Artest. Look- I mean, I. The thing is also though, you have to understand that for the fan yeah. to see that kind of behind the curtain stuff, you know, we don't get to see that. So you do because you're covering it. It's like, yeah, I can go backstage with Lady Gaga or Adele or Beyonce or Jay-Z or Kendrick Lamar. And so I see things that other people may not. And I do write about it and I do talk about it when it's not something that's off the record, which is why I have their trust and why you guys have their trust. But, you know, Ramona, I just want to get back to one fast thing. We heard that LeBron wanted to come to New York. And I have really good sources about this, that he was thinking about coming to New York, but that his wife wanted to be in Los Angeles, wanted the kids to go to school in Los Angeles, and that just kiboshed the whole thing. I mean, I could certainly see 
being drawn to Jeannie Buss. I think she's beyond lovely. And um, I know the reputation of the Knicks prior to this particular management situation. And also, I was very excited when Phil Jackson came here. But then, you know, his insistence on the zone and what happened with Carmelo, it was just, it didn't work out. Let's just mm -hmm. put it that way. But I think it's a different day now. And I do think maybe we can get some people. But Ramona, but Ramona, tell me something. What is going on with the Clippers and the Lakers? And did they purposely just tank and sit yes. off those well, well, those two games. We should talk about that, Brian. Right, well, that hold was... on, hold on one oh. second. Let me just let me just wrap up wrap up on New York real quick. Okay. Um, the, here's the thing about about media access. I know that the average person doesn't really care whether ESPN or the New York Post, or the New York Times gets a quote that they need for their content. I understand that. But here's a reality that exists. Television ratings are down. We do not know how attendance is going to come back. There's a hope that fans will come flooding back into these arenas, but there's a chance that they're not, that they're not going to feel comfortable, or that they've gotten used to watching games at home. And the people who had season tickets for 30 years are like, I don't need it anymore. Or the mm -hmm. companies that had suites are like, you know what? We're doing everything differently now. We're not spending that, that 100000 or that 250000 And so what I would just say to the NBA is um, there's a business aspect to the media portion. Is it the exact same business as it was in 1974 or 1947 when the NBA started? No, it's different. Um, but you do the media because it is good for business. Maybe not every single day. And maybe you don't like that question from that guy. And maybe that guy over there doesn't know what they're talking about. Or that woman over there said this in a tweet and it pissed you off. And I'm not having any problem with that, but there is a business reason to do it. It wasn't that David Stern loved the media. Trust me. I got plenty of death stares and quite a few talking to's from Mr. Stern, um, who I, the older I get, the more wise I think David Stern was. I, I find myself quoting David Stern more and more um, and referencing um, the wisdom that he passed down a lot of times with an iron fist. It's a business decision. All right. I just want to get that said. About the Clippers, Ramona. Wait, let me just yeah. ask you one question. Yeah. So the business of the NBA and the access that the media has to the press, uh, to the players that get out to the public help increase the interest in the NBA, which is making the money that's playing, paying these players. Yeah. Right? I mean, the same so, way you would in music, like you're promoting a tour, exactly. you, would, you do interviews. But they don't see, what, do you think it's just selfish and they're figuring I got mine, I don't care about them? No, I'm going to tell you what I think it is, Lisa. I think for the last 10 years and specifically the last five to seven yeah. since the new TV deal has happened, there is so much money that is poured into the NBA. As I point out, Michael Jordan made $30 million in 1997 or whatever it was, 1998. We didn't see another $30 million player for 20 years. Okay. Because of the rules that were put in. And this year there was something like 20, $30 million players. And pretty soon we're going to have $50 million players. That's all in the last five to seven years. And I think that, that so much money has come in that it has made it easy to start throwing away the bedrock of somewhere that money came from. It's been too easy. Even the guys 
um, who are sort of mid-level players. Their salaries have doubled. They've gone from the average NBA player salary has gone from about five million to about nine million just in the last decade. And so, it was, it's, it's a harder sell because the money is coming in at a higher level. And I'm just saying, don't guarantee that that money is going to keep growing if you ignore the way that the money started coming in the first place. Don't um, you also think, though, that if ratings are down, it's because people aren't watching television the way they used to? There's a, there's a dozen different reasons yeah. uh-huh. why it has. There is no magic bullet. COVID, I mean, obviously. Yes. I think yeah. the lack of crowds really, that really affects you. It's when it's not part of your daily routine anymore, when going to a game is not a big event, um, like it used to be. I mean, it will be again. It's starting to, like you're saying, you might go to a playoff game, but it hasn't been something that you're building your day and your schedule around. Tell me mm-hmm. what the Clippers did. Um, Ryan. Ramona. Oh. I'm trying to, I don't want to be, I don't want to overreact. And I don't, cause I mean, I'm all, I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty of this saying something in the moment that a month later we regret. I don't know how to feel about what happened with the Clippers with this. I mean, teams tank Nose all dive. the time. Teams tank all the time. It's not unusual, but this tank job, which was basically a message that, and I hate the word afraid. I hate it. Like, Whenever like a guy's like, oh, so-and-so is out tonight and you see people say, oh, he's scared of playing them. He's afraid mm-hmm. of playing them. I hate that. It's so lowbrow and shallow and schoolyard. It's not what I want to be a part of. But when I saw what the Clippers did, they're sending a message mm-hmm. to their own players, to their own players that they don't want the Lakers. And I don't want to use the word afraid, but I, but boy, it's in my mouth, Ramona. I mean, Brian, like Houston was actually trying to win. I'll give them that because Houston is so bad that they can afford to win a couple of games and still have the worst record in the league, right? Like Houston was trying to get some wins and be competitive. The Thunder is not trying to win. They, they are, they were, they have won one game in the, they had won one game in the last two months leading into the yeah. game against the Clippers. Every game that they win is is a is chancing losing their top five pick because it, it, they that, really, that they win hurt them. That it, game, co- it, it cost really them did. nine percent. It cost them nine percent at getting yeah. into the top four. It's it, they came into the game in third place with a, in a tie for third, and they leave it what they tie for fourth now fifth tied for but, they're they're like they're like could be as far as down as sixth. Yeah. Oh, the Clippers? So, no, the Thunder. No, the Thunder. And, oh. and and literally like they did an unbelievable tank job i i don't know that i've ever seen a tank the team tank as successfully as the thunder did um oh. like on purpose i mean it was like they were winning too many games and then they just okay shea gillis alexander you got to sit down al horford just go away you can't even you can't even play you're too good we we may win if you play so they've just had like the what are we going to call what's their g league the, the their g league team out there i mean it was it was just basically playing the g league team the last month of the year um the blue. And yet, the blue, there it is. And yet, they still beat the Clippers. And I don't, I j- Brian, I don't like tempting the basketball gods. Like, I understand, like, Denver laid down against Portland, okay? They wanted to play Portland in the in that game. They wanted to, it, all they had to do was, you know, let Portland, and they didn't have to leave, let Portland. But just, like, if Portland wins, like, Denver's, you know, they don't, they, Denver did the same thing. But to do it two games in a row, to go from the third seed and drop a spot down into down into the 
four or five game against Dallas. It just feels like one, you're, you're messing with the basketball gods a little too much. I don't like that. And I also don't like the message it sends. Like, like what you said, you're like, yeah. Is it smart? Sure. It might be. Yeah. I mean, being on that side of the bracket might strategically be a better move, which is why in a month people could be praising them. But yeah, right, Look, right. They, they, I, they line up with Utah I, now and they're not so Lisa, still can I back ask a question? Wait, let yeah. me just ask a quick question. Are you telling me that Denver purposely let Portland win? No. And if that well, was the it, hold on. It wasn't as, it wasn't joke, as egregious as the Clippers. Play? Why was why was the Joker playing? I mean, well, part of his MVP campaign is that he's played every. You know, I mean, well, you know, it's plays it's, all it's not apples to apples, Lisa, because the, the Blazers were really trying to win. Yeah, it's yeah. Regardless of the actual tank, the the mechanics of the tank, and it was amazing. Um, the Clippers threw the ball over and over and over to Daniel Oturu, who was blocked. <laughs> he had his Lisa. I want to I want to tell you this. This 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 rookie. I mean, he he might end up being a, a good player. He had his shot blocked eight times oh. in the game. They kept throwing it to him like he was Kobe. They were, they were calling plays for him like he was Kobe because they knew that throwing to him would fail. They, if I were him, I would kind of be insulted because they were throwing yeah. him the ball knowing he would fail. In fact, one of the things that the Thunder had an option of doing was double teaming him, not because they didn't want him to shoot, because they wanted him to pass because him passing wow. would increase the game was backwards, but I'm not even going to focus on that actual, I'm not going to get into the weeds on Daniel Oturu. Oh, wait a second. Were PG and Kawhi both out in both games? Yes, they, they sat there. Yes. They sat their top five or six players. Lisa, it's more about how they took this measure to make sure that they would avoid playing the Lakers for at least mm-hmm. the first two rounds. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Pop do this with San Antonio years ago when he took all three players out and sent them home. That was for rest. That was that in was for rest. Oh, come on. Really? This rest? was a move. I mean, if I mean, I, I know it's not reality, but if I if the Lakers played the Clippers, I would if, in the Laker locker room, I would feel like we were up one oh because they took that. Say, how can you say that you can be a championship team? And then also say that you're going to tank two games like this to try to avoid a team you're going to have to beat anyway. I, I just thought it was. I don't, was I don't just, understand this because once again we get into like the conversation about the play-in, which is like trying to describe what Bitcoin yeah. is. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if the if the Clippers, if the let's say the Lakers win the play-in against 
Golden State. And they're the number seven seed? Seven. Is that what it yeah. would be? Why would they then be playing the Clippers? Because the Clippers aren't the well, The Clippers would have been, okay, at least I'll do it real fast, okay? The Clippers were the third seed before the tank job, okay, before they laid down in these two games. If the Lakers are the seventh seed, you're on, you play the Lakers in the second round. You potentially play the Lakers in the second round, okay? Second round. Two, right, because two, like theoretically, the winner of the two seven and the winner of the three six will play each other. So right. you play each other in the second round. But if you follow the four seed and the Lakers are, are at the seven seed, which is the most likely outcome, you, you wouldn't see them until the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, Jared Dudley had a good point. He said, you know, like, he called it out. But he also said, like, the time to get us is now. Like, if you're going to beat right. the Lakers, the time to beat them is early. It's probably the first round because LeBron and AD are still coming back from their injuries. Right. It takes a little time to get to get your the rust off, to build your stamina up. Part of the reason LeBron's always so great in the playoffs is that he builds up to it. He goes, like, he ramps up to where he can play 40-something minutes a game. At the end, of, he's there ready for the playoffs. Well, he didn't get to do that this year. He's, he's, he's coming into these playoffs injured. And, Brian, I, I don't know if you saw this. He's like tweeting, he's retweeting night. stat news today. I'm like, wait, when is he doing the zero dark 30 where he goes off Twitter? Not doing that. <laughs> he kind of stopped. Like, he kind of stopped do, doing that last in the year, last yeah, few yeah, years. Bubble, but yeah. didn't you see last night? Didn't it look like he retweets his ankle again? It looked like it, but they said he's okay. But I, you know, the thing is he, uh, that ankle injury, Brian is a, that's not something you just get better from. It's, mm-hmm. it, it takes a long time. Well, it's another reason if I were the Clippers, I wouldn't want to see him in a month and a half. Right. I'd want to see him today. Um, but the strategy may end up working for them. I'm not, yep. I mean, I'm just thinking Paul George has to I live know. in a world where people think that even though, even as great as he is, and I voted him on my all NBA team. Me too. Um, that he, you know, you know, there's this stigma about him and now he has to play on this team that like, L- <laughs> I, I'm kind of at a loss for words. Um, well, they just... choked last year in the playoffs, right? And Paul George has this reputation of choking in the playoffs. Yes, yeah, so and not... so now he plays on a team that is, is now got the reputation of dodging the Lakers. They're trying to usurp the Lakers, and they're they're dodging them. And 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 they can you know they could come they can say whatever they want to say. They can they can call me and try to tell me I'm wrong. I just don't know other way to see it. I have no other way to see it. Um, but they're going to tell you it was rest or load management. Or that's what that. Ty Lu, That's what Ty Lu said. But I just don't believe that because even if you were resting your players, you would still play to win. You would not throw the ball thirty-five times to Daniel Oturu. No, offense, right. no offense to him. <laughs> but that, and then that's the difference between Denver. What happened with Denver? Denver did rest. They, they didn't play their starters the whole game. But the guys who were out there played to win. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I just don't know. I, I am, I'm Ramona. I'm trying to hold myself in here. I, I don't know what people are in LA are saying today. I mean, maybe I'm overreacting. Well, here's uh, the thing the, what's, what's been really interesting about this year. And I think it's because of, you know, the no fans for most of the year and all that. They, and, but it's also just a function of the Clippers and the way that nobody's been writing about the Clippers. Nobody's been talking about them. Remember last year was all the battle of LA. There was so much hype. There's not really a lot of hype. And so I don't, I think they've done a lot of things this year, but it hasn't gotten a lot of scrutiny outside of their own fan base. It hasn't gotten into the zeitgeist, if you will, because they've just kind of, once they, once they fell apart last year and they choked in that playoff series, like 
people just didn't take them seriously. And I, and I, I think it's, I think I've all, I will always say if the Clippers ever win, it will be when we're not expecting it. It will not be when they're front runners. It will be when they're underdogs and we didn't see it coming, which is why Brian, like, I know we should all caution what we're saying, but they still are really good. I mean, I, we said on the podcast a little while ago, if, if the Lakers are in the play-in tournament, should they be favored against in their first round series? I would have favored the Lakers in every other first round series, except for the Clippers. Really? Wow. Yeah, just because it's early. Like if they would have played the Clippers early, if it yeah, would have been three, yeah. six or whatever the it is. Injuries. Yeah. I, I think but it's early. They're not, they're coming back, but, but it's so now. Yeah. It's so interesting that you said that because when you think of New York, just to bring it back to that for a minute, yeah, it's Jalen Rose said it best. The rest of the country loves the Nets. New York loves the Knicks. And nobody is talking about the Nets here. Nobody is writing about the Nets here. I mean, the papers here are writing about baseball more than they are about basketball. But if you counted up the pages and the back pages of the post and now the front page, it's all mixed because, as I said, they have the soul of the city. Now, the Clippers don't, but Lakers do. But how could anybody bet against LeBron even with an injury? I, know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, you know, we don't have that situation here. Everybody can say, yes, you can't bet against KD. Yes, you can't bet against Kyrie. But, you know, they're also injury prone. I mean, I'm not wishing that on them. I'm just saying that in terms of who's talking about who, there's just no comparison. And today in New York, yes, we know the Nets are what? The second seed or something yeah. but those champagne bottles were popping last night because of the Knicks it's just a fact <laughs> and true. if we have anything close to showtime in New York it's going to be at the Garden not at Barclays well period. in the last decade there were years where neither of the of the LA teams and neither of the New York teams made the playoffs and even two years ago just two years ago um, I think the Nets were the seven or eight seed um, and the Clippers were the eighth seed and the Knicks and Lakers were home. Uh, New York and LA were out of it within the first 10 days. Um, and like, you know, look, I'm from Cleveland. Uh, I'm not looking for the big markets to uh, get advantages, but um, the NBA is not going to be as strong as it can be if all of those franchises are not relevant and competing at the highest level. And so this is the first time in a long time, maybe ever, because the Clippers haven't had that many high seeds where all four of the teams uh, are in, you know, in home, you know, well, I guess the Lakers are a seven seed, but they're certainly a title contender. Um, all four of these teams feel like they have a chance to move out of the first round and maybe move into, you know, the, the sort of the, the top eight, this is something that hasn't happened in a long time. And it's, it's, you know, in this season, that's messed up in so many ways. Um, it is a, it is something that's happening that is, uh, really unique and hasn't happened before and is an indication, I think, of what's happened in the NBA in the last decade, which Delisa, what Lisa was talking about earlier, is the super team and the, and the concept of stars clustering together. Star clustering led to the Lakers, Clippers, and Nets coming together. The Knicks have not had that yet, but <laughs> sounds like they're going to try. And, you know, that's that's why we have this is because I won't be mad at it. <laughs> I was mad at it with Golden State, and I'm mad at it about the Nets, but 
And I guess I was mad at it with Miami the first year, but you can't really be mad at Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. They're just so good. And the point is, I don't know. I just think you guys are going to cover these playoffs in the finals. What's the chances you're going to wind up in like Utah and Milwaukee? If those are the teams that win, that's where the finals will be. Um, that's the nature of it. Um, all right. Well, Lisa and Ramona, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, you're welcome. You only Lisa. have to edit out like five minutes of that. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> Lisa is the greatest. Lisa is even better when she's unfiltered. She's, she's filtering herself right now. Oh my gosh. But um, it's funny to see. Yeah, it's yeah, funny to see her filtered. Yes. I, yeah, it is. I don't really... think this was that filtered. If you no, read I'm, I'm, just ha- I'm having some. But problems. I didn't say anything that's going to get me in trouble, did I? Because no, I don't I think so. Okay, I don't think so. All right, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you, Lisa and Ramona, and my producer Tony. Uh, enjoy the play-in tournament. We'll talk to you um, uh, later this week. Now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.